Hi, I'm Grayson. A while back, Edward and I spent almost two hours interviewing Chris Murphy about ButterFS, a copy-on-write file system. It was just too interesting to stop learning more about it. Today, I'm going to play you part one of that interview, because we don't have two hours for just one episode. But today, you will get to learn about ButterFS, how it compares to Extended 4, and how you can utilize it in Fedora. You're listening to the Fedora Podcast, a proud member of the Destination Linux Network. Before we get into the technical ButterFS-related things, I want to know, who is Chris Murphy? And how are you involved in Fedora? Well, so it depends on how far back you want to go. Um, But as far as it relates to Fedora, I've been involved in Fedora mostly on the QA side for many years, uh, maybe pushing a decade at this point. And I sort of jump in on various development-related activities as they come up, as they interest me, um, you know, and as, as I have two cents worth of parting knowledge or opinion. About two years ago, I joined the Fedora Workstation Working Group, where I helped steer the direction of mainly Fedora Workstation Edition, but we also incorporate the interests of all the desktop spins, since we're all tending to adopt pretty much the same under the hood changes um, among all the desktop editions and and spins. Cool. So before we get into talking about ButterFS itself, how do you pronounce BTRFS or BetterFS or BTREFS? I pronounced ButterFS as ButterFS. That's cool because a lot of people just have different ways of pronouncing it. I just call it uh, better of us. Uh, I I remember that it's calling uh, it's coming. I think for one of the features of better of us that why it's calling like that. But people just call it butter. <laughs> so. It's a really good point, um, Edward. There is a uh, a hint to the what is butter of us in the name butter of us, which is actually B tree F S, uh, because it is made with a bunch of B trees. Well, but now we have we have talked about how we call it, but we want to people to know what is BTRFS. Yes, ButterFS is a copy on write file system with full data integrity checking for data that would be user data and metadata, which is the file system itself. And this also includes cheap snapshots, support for multiple devices. Um, things like RAID 0, RAID 1, RAID 10, um, and oh, and also self-healing. So they're depending on what the configuration of a particular ButterFS file system happens to be, if there's a known good copy um, and a bad copy, ButterFS will, of course, not use the bad copy, and then it can automatically use the good copy and self-heal. So self-healing is also a a function of ButterFS. Where is ButterFS being actively used in the Fedora community right now? So 
ButterFS has been available as an installation time option in Fedora for quite a long time, going back to at least Fedora 18. Um, you can do a custom installation and choose to use ButterFS going back that far. So what happened in Fedora 33 for Fedora Workstation and um, all the desktop spins is we switched the default. So if you do a default um, or automatic installation of Fedora, you get ButterFS out of the box now. So uh, from the point of view of a normal user, what, what are the benefits? Their laptop, uh, not a server, can benefit from ButterFS? Yeah, it's a good question. And I would say that it, there's maybe not any one thing that's the most important to any one particular person, but um, there's like a, a laundry list of of uh, pros and features that end up making it kind of a, um, a really useful file system to use by default um, in Fedora. So, but since I have to pick some things instead of listing the entire laundry list, uh, what I'll pick is a common problem that we had with the previous uh, default layout, uh, which is X4 on LVM. Uh, since the system root and home file systems were separate file systems and didn't do space sharing, it was possible for the user to run out of free space on either one or the other. Um, so you could run out of space on, on root or you could run out of space on home while the other file systems still had plenty of space. So what we decided to do and take advantage of in ButterFS is the ability of, of creating a one big file system. Um, so there are no hard barriers, barriers like partitions or logical volumes to separate system root and home. Um, but we do have a, a, a ButterFS specific feature called subvolumes where we are able to still have a soft barrier between system root and home. So they share space, but we're able to get some limited um, benefit of, of keeping them separate, um, which we can also talk about. Um, another benefit that I think is probably beneficial to um, Fedora specifically is uh, a bit of a catch-22, um, and that's storage devices can be flaky, resulting in data corruption. And that was a, a problem that ButterFS particularly is sensitive to detecting and identifying um, corruption. So it, everything is checksummed, both data and metadata. It's verified on every read. Um, so corruption is uh, immediately detected and is not allowed to propagate. So you can trust that you know, applications are not going to receive corrupt data on reads and your backups are not going to be getting corrupt uh, files propagated to them. Um, the, the flip side to that is that, you know, if you do end up with a, a data corruption scenario, ButterFS is a little bit noisy, you know, it, it can look a little bit scary. So, um, you know, that, that's probably the, uh, a lot of the history, uh, kind of the growing pain history of ButterFS is that it is really, um, geared toward data integrity, and it will complain. Um, whereas other file systems are more permissive about that sort of thing, just by design. So um, what else would I pick? Uh, probably not too common, but when you need it, you really need it. 
um, file system shrink. ButterFS supports shrinking uh, the file system, uh, which X4 also supports. ButterFS does it online, so you can shrink uh, and grow the file system uh, while it's mounted and in use. Um, and maybe last and not least is that complex storage setups are complicated. And so what we have with ButterFS is um, a, a simpler or at least a more comprehensive and consistent command line interface um, using the ButterFS command and uh, a list of subcommands. So this, I think, tends to consolidate a lot of the routine tasks that folks um, may end up in. And yeah, it's just a little bit easier to have less complexity and, and have it dealt with by ButterFS. Uh, actually, I, I actually have a better last one, which is that for the most part, ButterFS is transparent. That is, you get a lot of the benefits of ButterFS without having to know esoteric ButterFS things. That's awesome. Simple is good. You mentioned Extended 4 or EXT4. It's really the most common file system around for Linux distros, as far as I've seen. How does ButterFS differ from EXT4? So X4 is a overwriting file system in contrast to ButterFS, which is a copy on write file system. So the difference there, uh, when we are looking at categorizing different file systems, um, X4 tends to overwrite files and metadata. So when there's a change, it just overwrites that particular inode or that particular file. Um, whereas with ButterFS, it never does that. So copy on write uh, basically means don't overwrite. So what it does is it writes files and metadata into free space before it deletes or deallocates the now stale metadata or file data. And so what we get with that is if the writing process is interrupted, um, we get kind of for free, we get some data integrity features because there's no such thing as things like torn writes where you know part of a file has been overwritten and the file system hasn't yet been updated. So um, there's probably a quite a long list um, that I'm not entirely prepared to go um, dig through on uh, X4, uh, since I'm not as much of an expert with X4 as I am with, with ButterFS, or at least familiar with it. Um, but I would say that that's probably one of the top things is that and the data integrity features uh, and the lack of snapshotting. Now we do have snapshotting via LVM. Um, they're not quite as cheap as they are on ButterFS, even though we're not using them in Fedora automatically yet. Um, that's a segue into a snapshotting conversation. Which we will have later. <laughs> sure. Um, but you know, as far as the regular everyday user, I would say you're probably not going to notice too much of a difference between X4, which is still a perfectly reasonable choice to continue using. Um, and yeah, I have no criticisms of of X4. You know, all these things are trade-offs and um, that includes ButterFS, which is also not perfect. Mm -hmm. You've also mentioned just now LVM. What's that? And how does it compare to ButterFS's sub-voluming system? 
Good question. Um, that's a little intense. Uh, so LVM, the logical volume manager in Linux, is um, uh, a way that we're able to abstract physical devices from uh, logical devices. So we're able to, um, you know, perhaps more efficiently partition drives. Uh, it does support multiple devices. So there are some similarities between LVM and ButterFS. ButterFS has its own logical volume manager built into it. Uh, it's not LVM. It's not device mapper based. Uh, it's its own thing, but it is uh, reasonable to call it a logical volume manager, um, perhaps with small letters <laughs> to avoid confusion with LVM. Um, and then as for ButterFS subvolumes, ButterFS subvolumes are a little bit different. They don't really directly relate. Uh, um, we, we make you know comparisons because they're easier to understand. Uh, some folks compare ButterFS subvolumes to LVM logical volumes. The distinction there is, is that an LVM LV is a block device. So you can format an LV. You create a new LV and you can format it uh, X4, XFS. You can format it ButterFS. Um, it can be swapped. It can be many things. Whereas uh, ButterFS subvolumes are more like directories. They're not block devices. You can't format them. So the, the comparison starts to break down once we look at the details. But uh, for the most part, the way they behave is like a fancy directory. That's cool. I believe that ButterFS subvolumes are also, aren't they easier to adjust? Like you can make them smaller or bigger and make them have to move around other subvolumes more easily than an LVM one? So a ButterFS subvolume, much like a directory, has no size. So uh, you don't need to specify a size. You just create one and it shares all of the space available on the ButterFS file system you create that subvolume on. Um, there is an advanced feature set uh, called quotas or queue groups on ButterFS. And queue groups work at the subvolume level. So you can set up quotas and limit the amount of space consumption on a per subvolume basis. And it has all kinds of inheritance rules and things that experts like. So you could say their limits are a bit softer, like melted butter. <laughs> yes, you could say that. That's good. <laughs> That's cool. So I, I have a question because... Uh, as a sysadmin and having my own lab here at home, I rely too much in tools like uh, DU or D and DF and this kind of tool that allows me to know how much space I still have or I, uh, the, the, the empty space I can use. So how these tools are going to work with this new ButterFS since they are a little bit tied to the block level? Yes, good question. Um, th there is a potential for confusion um, with the results from DU and DF. For the most part, they report correctly in the configuration we use by default in Fedora, which is a single device, as in a single drive uh, for the Fedora installation. 
DU and DF are generally reliable. Uh, if, if not, then I would say that it's a bug. And uh, we do know that there are some bugs, um, or perhaps more correctly, uh, there's a need for enhancements in DU and DF uh, as it relates to ButterFS. And I think that you know, as ButterFS becomes more popular or more used, then there will be you know, more resources available to tighten up those kinds of things. Uh, for the most part, I use and rely on and trust DU and DF on ButterFS the same as on X4 uh, or XFS. So, uh, you know, with off the, off the top of my head, I can't think of um, where the default configuration would get a user into trouble. It's where you start to peel back layers of the onion and you start doing some things like if you're making snapshots, uh, then you know a snapshot of a subvolume is an exact copy of that subvolume. It's deduplicated, but it's an exact copy. So if you were to make the snapshot um, of a subvolume in that same in inside that same subvolume and then run du, du will see and count both the subvolume and the snapshot contents. So you'll get double the results with du in a case like that. So there are some of those sorts of, okay, well, how could we avoid doing that? Uh, because it's not really incorrect. It's a matter of perspective. Um, you know, would you ignore snapshots by default? So there's various conversations we'd have to have about that. Um, another thing is, is uh, DU does report uncompressed data sizes. So, um, you know, we're now using compression by default in Fedora 34. So DU will report the uncompressed size of files and directories, um, which, you know, it depends on what your expectations are. If you expect that it's going to show the compressed size, uh, then, you know, your expectations are, aren't going to be met. Whereas with DF, DF does take compression into account because DF is looking at the physical blocks that are used or are not used on the block device itself. So DF indirectly takes into account the effect of compression. Um, it's not compression aware per se, but it ends up counting things just that way because it looks at the physical block. Um, there are some uh, difficulties that come up when we start doing certain kinds of multiple device uh, scenarios. Um, DF, I know of one bug that it gets a little bit confused if you do uh, ButterFS RAID 1 with three devices. That's itself kind of an unusual configuration that ButterFS can do, and it can do it correctly and efficiently. Um, but DF will give you some confusing results. So in that case, uh, you know, it's sort of an expert layout. So I think most people will be reasonably satisfied in, in the near term and medium term using ButterFS specific commands. And the one for that is ButterFS file system DU and ButterFS file system usage.
Actually, I have another question. I think that I was excited when I heard about Butterfest that I wasn't going to have a usual problem that I have because I myself consider I consider myself like a software tester. I used to DNF everything I can DNF to installing my machine, so I'm not going to run out of space in my in my root directory in my root file system. But now I have the idea, and I think a lot of people think of that. I used to have this a separate home partition because it was easier to recover when I was a do uh, I was a, going to do a new fresh install. So this is a, a possible to do with ButterFS. Yeah, that's a really good question. So what we have is uh, for a long time in Anaconda, the Fedora installer allows us to do a custom installation so we can reinstall the uh we can reinstall fedora and use an existing home subvolume so it, it's a the interface is not exactly obvious how to do this so that's maybe a, a future podcast or video or some docs uh, showing users how to do this um, but once you see it, it's really straightforward and really easy to do. So you can reuse an existing home uh, without having to reformat uh, ButterFS. The, the requirement is uh, unique on ButterFS. Uh, the installer doesn't require it to be reformatted uh, when doing a, a clean installation. What it requires is just that there's a new root subvolume created. So it'll install the new Fedora into that subvolume and it will reuse. Uh, the existing home subvolume. So at that point, you're ready to go. It initially looks like a uh, like you've done a clean install, like you haven't set up your user home. You get you know the initial setup and all that. Um, so you know it might freak people out initially, but once you do the go through that process, voila! All of a sudden, when you log in, all of your stuff is there. I can actually attest to all of this. I'm running on a system with an old home subvolume where I reinstalled the root partition. And I can say it was a little non-intuitive. It did take a couple tries to get it right. But once you, once you wrap your head around it, it actually does make sense. It's just not easy to tell at a glance. Yeah, it's, it's not easy to articulate how you would do that if you didn't have a, a graphical user interface. And then once you have a graphical user interface, there's, it's, a, it's a complex enough procedure. Um, that I don't, I don't know how I would do it better than the way that they did it. Um, I mean, I'm sure it could be done, but uh, I think the solution to the problem is is probably a video. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should ask the video team about that. That's all the time we have today for ButterFS. Thank you, Chris, for coming to talk with us. In the next episode, we're going to continue the discussion and talk about ButterFS compression, snapshots, and the future of ButterFS in Fedora. Make sure you are subscribed so you won't miss out on any of this amazing interview. Some quick reminders this week as part of the What's Going On Fedora section. The call for papers at Nest is still open. If you don't know what Nest is, make sure you listen to Season 2, Episode 1 of the Fedora Podcast, where we speak with Marie Norton about Nest. The call for papers at AnsibleFest is also open. AnsibleFest is virtual, and you can find it in our show notes. The annual Fedora Contributor Survey is still open, 
throughout the month of June. If you're a contributor and haven't taken this survey, please do. If you don't know what the annual Fedora Contributor Survey is, please go back and listen to our last episode, Season 2, Episode 2, where we speak with Alexandra Fedorova about the Fedora Contributor Survey. Last weekend, the Fedora Project sponsored a couple of conferences, KDE's Academy and the OpenSUSE conference. I even recorded an interview for Academy with the KDE SIG, where we talked Fedora KDE. A fellow Fedoran and Mindshare member, Ulnarop Cesar, recorded an interview for OpenSUSE. Make sure you go check those out. They're both on YouTube and in the show notes at podcast.fedoraproject.org. That's all the news we have for today. Thank you, Ben Cotton, for your Friday Fedora facts, where we got the source for this news. Thank you for listening. That was Season 2, Episode 3 of the Fedora Podcast. Please visit us at podcast.fedoraproject.org to find our chat room, send us email, listen to other episodes, and more. Remember, we want your ideas for future Fedora Podcast episodes. If you maintain a cool package, contribute in an interesting way, or have worked on a Fedora thing that you think would be a good topic, please reach out. Again, podcast.fedoraproject.org. There's a contact form, there's our chat room, there's our forum, there's our issue tracker. There's all kinds of ways to contact us. You have no excuse. Thank you. I'm your host, Grayson, and original music this episode was by Tricknology. Special thanks this episode to Ryan Gorley. He created some new artwork for the Fedora podcast, incorporating our new logo and new color. It really looks great. He's helped integrate it into the website properly so that it looks good. And he's just done an all-around amazing job with the art. Thank you, Ryan. Make sure you subscribe, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks when we continue to talk about ButterFS. This is the Fedora Podcast, a proud member of the Destination Linux Network. Thank you.